bland food, bland family, that needs more salt. Join Nancy and Mary as they discuss family flavor and the theme that brings them all together on this week's episode of Needs More Salt. We say good morning. Hey, Mary. It's still morning? Oh, yeah. We got seven more minutes. Seven? Eight. Eight more minutes, according to my phone. Oh, good morning. And good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, that's true. See, we could just be like everywhere else in the world and just have a phrase that means like, you know, good day, bonjour. Like meaning in English or like just like a secret word that only you and I (laughs) and those listening know? Like. I meant meant like like in French or in Spanish or whatever. Okay, because I'm like thinking of a word now. I'm like, okay. Like orange. <laughs> well, no, it would have to be like a made-up word. Oh, that's true. Because like, orange has a meaning. That's true. It has very. It would be like Boshnoff. Boshnoff. To you too. Boshnoff. Boshnoff. It just means good day. It does actually. It probably. Or means we could also say, "Good day." Would you like to introduce the guest for today? I would so love to introduce him. So our guest, I I thought about this a lot, and our guest is an expert in all things wine, I think, personally. He is also, I believe he is an expert in food, um, not necessarily in cooking, but in food knowledge, we'll say, in food knowledge and food history. And he loves a good cup of coffee if it's got lots and lots of heavy cream in it. Um, I guess not heavy cream. I guess half and half. Sorry. Half and Um, half. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway. he likes long walks on the beach. (laughs) No, he actually likes really short walks on the beach. He loves Uh, short walks on the beach and hails from the sunny land of California. And now lives in Oregon with his lovely wife and he's sitting right next to me because that's right we are talking about the one and only brian keatley also known as my husband and your dad yay (laughs) hi honey hello hi dad hello youngin (laughs) how are you oh i'm doing okay doing okay on this fine day yes i don't actually know how fine it is at home here it's lovely. It's sunny today. Yep. It's very oh, good. Good weather. Yep. Okay. So for the one day we can say he hails from the sunny <laughs> land of Oregon. That's right. Well, welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you. I'm excited. What I would like to start out with, the big question for both of you, is Mom, Dad, what did you put in your mouth this week? Mm-hmm. You'll go first. Okay, I get to go first, Dad says. So I'm okay. going to say what we put in our mouth, and I will say we because Dad and I both had it on Saturday night. We had some friends over um, for a cooking lesson type thing and dinner and did Moroccan food. Okay, and, that sounds good. Yeah, and th- we did the chicken tagine. It was okay. I don't think it was spectacular, to be honest, hmm. but that it was just the recipe, not anybody else's fault anyway so yeah so we had some friends come over and we made moroccan food and john was the one who was in charge of the the kefta which is which is like kofta but it's kefta in moroccan and okay it was amazing it was so tasty and then we made um pita bread that you actually grill or griddle Hmm. griddle sorry you griddle instead of baking that yeah. sounds amazing. Oh, it was that part. So that was like my favorite part. Although the dessert was super good. There was this dad shaking oh, his head. Yeah. yeah. There was a. There okay, was, dad. What yeah. What was the dessert? Yeah. Something yummy. I don't know what the ba- name of it. Babusa. Who? Babusa or Babusa. Babusa? Yeah. yeah, Babusa. What does that mean? I don't know. It's the name of the cake. <laughs> name of the cake. It All I delicious cake. Yummy. Okay, can you describe it a little more for the people well, who it, it, didn't it, it taste was, it? It was, it was <laughs> like a pound cake. 
uh, okay. texture of it. And then it had a creamy metal uh, that uh, was topped off with toasted. Was it toasted coconut? Oh, we didn't toast the coconut. No. Oh, I thought you were supposed <gasps> to toast it. You no, didn't right? toast the coconut. coconut and pistachio. That would have been good. Sorry. And the sugar syrup. The syrup. Oh, and the sugar syrup. Yeah, that, that was really good it. and stuff. Okay. And it was, I finished it off last night. <laughs> and it was like one piece left and i said i wonder if i should uh nope nancy doesn't he, get know, it he didn't even ask if i wanted a bite <laughs> but it was so good and it was really well it was moist obviously because it had the syrup very over moist it. but it was sim. it was semolina flour oh yeah it was it was delicious and funky like the filling was was interesting um to make but it was delicious yeah so, very delicious yeah, good moroccan food Saturday. Well, that does sound good. Yeah. So, Dad, what, about- what else? Oh, yeah. It's besides true. besides the delicious dessert, what else did you put in your mouth this week? What was good? Well, uh, I would say yesterday after church, we, uh, your mom, uh, my lovely wife, <laughs> and it was very simple. We cooked up, or she cooked up, uh, griddled a, um, was it the fig? Yeah, uh, sourdough. It was sourdough fig, bread that had walnut and fig in it, and mm. she sliced it up and then um, put it in a batter and cooked it up. And she made uh, um, like a vanilla syrup uh, that uh, vanilla that she made herself uh, with uh, using uh, vodka and uh, vanilla beans, mm-hmm. and it so was like- herb. Like vanilla extract? Yeah. But, okay. So was it, So yeah. sorry, I'm a little confused. French. The French. picture that you painted in my, it was it like a French toast? Yes, yes. it was like French okay. toast. Okay. Because I was, was like, so she. It was French toast. Riddled and so the bread and then. So yummy. Yes. And I also liked the uh, uh, meal that uh, your mother made <laughs> on Friday. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. Was uh, grilled onions and tomatoes, and uh, and it was just uh, very yummy and very served, um, served over. Satisfa- uh, uh, gave me satisfaction of a, like it was like a meal so good that you just savored it uh, for okay. for days. Was it just like she chopped up a tomato <laughs> no. and chopped up an onion? No. Okay. Can you add a little more? <laughs> it was polenta. Uh, it was served over polenta. There you go. And the cheese, um, the it, it was creamy polenta. Uh, so I guess your mother added it's, heavy cream? Gruyere. Oh, it was no, gruyere. Not, That's right. Gruyere. Yeah. So it was So good. So it was just like very yummy. It was actually yeah, really tasty. I'd make it again. Like... Today. Please. <laughs> oh, I know what you guys are having for dinner. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah. So, that, what about you? I'm trying to remember what I did this week. I haven't really been in the mood to cook a whole ton this week. Um, I did make some really good mac and cheese um, that you actually were the one mom to put me onto this mm-hmm. it was apparently a grammy specialty yep on how to make mac and cheese so my grandma apparently would put would do like pasta with pasta water a little bit left over um and then put in her cheese and put in an egg like a beaten egg and mix it all together and it would be kind of creamy kind of like how you would with like a carbonara. Yeah, which is so funny. Um, I don't think that she'd ever think that. Yeah, but I'm like, all it was missing was some like bacon. Uh, but it was, it was good. I was a little apprehensive because I was like, it's kind of weird. It's not how I usually make mac and cheese. You were, you were totally apprehensive. Okay, fine. I was really apprehensive. <laughs> Whatever. Like for- I was also on the phone with my mother while I was making this, just was- to clarify. Yeah, it was funny. Um, 
but it ended up being really good. I probably would have added a little bit of either milk or maybe some more butter and another egg just because it was a little bit gummy. But I also used goat cheese, so that was part of why it was a little bit interesting texture. But it was really good. And then I had that um, last night at, at work. I took took the leftover mac and cheese I had and then I had made up um, like a mixture of like sausage, like Italian, like um, loose sausage. And from my haul from the Saturday market, um, I had some, oh, what, um, uh, chard, some rainbow chard. Okay. Um, cause I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't kale. What was it? Whatever the other green leafy thing is. <laughs> so there was some rainbow chard and I had some bell peppers on hand and some carrots. So I chopped up the carrots and the bell pepper and I cooked up the, um, the sausage with the onions and then the bell peppers and carrots and then the Swiss chard all up in like a skillet. And I had some of that with the mac and cheese. And that's what I had last night actually for lunch or for my lunch at work. That's good. It was very good. Um, but I think my favorite thing so far that I put in my mouth this week were actually cookies. And they were at, so the Saturday market had a few new stalls this year that I hadn't seen before. And I, it's like the first, um, first market I've been to this year. So I kind of went a little crazy, but they were the stall, the stall selling these cookies that looked a little bit, I thought at first they were like macarons or something. Okay. But I went up and found out, no, they are not macarons. They were the small, very delicious Southern American cookie. Wait, Southern American or South American? South American. Sorry, not not like from the South. (laughs) I was like, like pecan sandies? (laughs) No, they were South American. And at first I was like, South American, those look very similar to what we had in Virginia. And so I was talking to the guy and I was like, are these Argentinian? And he's like, yes, they have dolce de leche in the middle. And then they were, the sides were rolled in coconut. Oh yeah. And it was just, yeah, they were so good. I bought uh, the pack of six and I still have three left, but they just like, they're kind of like a, a shortbread cookie, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they like melt in your mouth and then they have the dolce de leche, but it's not too much. So it's not too sweet. Oh, they were so good. I would have eaten all of them in one sitting, but <laughs> I had self-restraint. So good girl. Oh, that's those fun. were small. Oh. They're tiny. They were they tiny. were like um, what you think of when you think of like a macaron. Yeah, they were about that size so good oh how fun did he have other stuff no they just had those (gasps) but I was totally okay with that oh yeah that's fantastic yeah but yeah that's what I put in my mouth this week it was quite delicious okay I was just explaining to dad now now he's all ready for his interview oh okay I thought we had already started that Oh, I guess we asked him what was in his mouth. Or no, what was in his mouth? <laughs> what's in your what's mouth? What's in your mouth, honey? Open your, open your mouth. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Yes. Right. So well. Do you, have question, do you have questions for our, for our esteemed guest? I do. I do have questions. Um, <laughs> if he's ready. Ready. Okay. What is the flight ratio of a laden swallow? Um, I oh, don't he's... know. Oh. 
He doesn't get the joke. Okay, never mind. It's okay. Um, African or European. So, mom had mentioned at the beginning of this that you are, or at least I guess in your introduction, that she considers you a little bit of a food, a food expert and definitely a wine expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so much as like a cooking expert, but definitely an expert on food. And I would agree, you do have just a vast knowledge of food and like different kinds of things. But this hasn't always been the case, I don't think. No. So I was just wondering if you could tell us and those listening a little bit about how your food journey started and how did you... Like, what What was it that sparked the fire that has you doing all this research and gaining all this knowledge about food? That lit the flame. Well, that's easy. <laughs> it was the year I retired from carpentry in 2007. Mm-hmm. And your mother took me to see a movie called Ratatouille. And mm. so everybody knows Ratatouille. Hopefully. And, and hopefully, but... Uh, But what that did is, first of all, it opened my mind to the professional world of of a a professional kitchen, professional chef, and all the ins and outs of running a uh, kitchen, a professional kitchen, and all the different tools that they would use to do things, just for that brief moment, showing it in the movie. And Mm -hmm. what that did to me it sparked a a big interest because I was ready to go into something else in regards to another um, ambition Um, not necessarily a career after retiring but excuse me but uh, what it did is sparked an interest in food and I said, I could do this. And I said, wow, look at all, all that. Because I did not know that a chef actually encompassed a lot of responsibility other than cooking. I mean, I thought, yeah. you know, they were just back there with an apron and cooking. <laughs> and so you know, my, my attitude toward it was like, oh, okay, it was really not much but when I saw Ratatouille I said oh my goodness look at that and and so I started uh, (laughs) buying books and I started reading and when I read I I read to learn in a well professional way I kind of kind of like what's the ultimate for whatever Uh, it may be a cooking technique it could be about food it could be about history about food it could be the development of uh, why the kitchen uh, brigade, the way it came, um, uh, of course, you know, from uh, Escoffier and reading about him and different things like that. And then it, I just started reading. And so for 10 years, I started reading everything about food, uh, whether it's uh, Italian or French or German or uh, Hungarian and mm-hmm stuff like that and so basically I just started you know consuming all this all this knowledge and then right after I got done uh, recovering from a bad staph infection uh, in 2017 I asked your mother my lovely wife that <laughs> if I could start cooking he just wants that polenta for dinners <laughs> yes I want that polenta. so Basically, I I started dabbling just a little bit because I was kind of like, okay, going from recipes, and I have to go from recipes because I am not endowed with a lot of recipes in me that I would remember and be able to, you know, do it without a book or a recipe list. So I just started cooking and doing different things, and so... Very simple things, and so like a, a caprese uh, salad, you know, very simple. But you know, I had to understand the different ingredients going into it, and then I started understanding why these ingredients work together. Okay, yeah, and like a little bit about 
like the balance of things or like why? Well, for why? example, something very mm-hmm. simple. Why would salt be used at a particular point in time, whether it's before cooking or as you prep mm-hmm. it, during or at the last minute? Uh, so like malden salt on salad, you know, Yeah. I would put that at the end when I'm about to eat for the, the flavor and everything that it uh, brings out. And I don't know really about the scientific background, uh, the chemistry of it. Um, but the thing is, it's just that, you know, from what I've learned from your mother and from books, it intrigued me how to put things together, just like in my carpentry. I worked with tools, I built things, and it was putting things together. So I have that mindset in me that if I'm cooking, I want to do it in the utmost way to bring flavor, balance, and knowing why I add things at a particular point and stage in cooking. Okay, so you're you're <clears throat> learning and hopefully doing more of would you say like the technique, right? And learning the skills behind the cooking process. Correct. Okay. Now, did and this is going to also kind of branch into another topic of your uh, PTFD post-traumatic food Um, but did you did you kind of grow up with cooking like was that part of your family was that was like eating together kind of a thing your family did or is that a little bit later on like when you and mom got married and started your own family that kind of well the, we, the community aspect well growing up um you know um uh, mom and dad would get home from work they both worked and so okay. we, we would have uh, uh meat and potatoes and um maybe breakfast for dinner and okay. um different things and stuff like that and we would sit around the table and just chit chat and stuff but it uh to me it was kind of like um uh we were together but i didn't really understand the importance of it uh for being together because it wasn't really a topic talked about or okay and stuff uh because i i just didn't grow up with that sense of of important why why eating together as a family was important because it wasn't emphasized. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you still did it. We still did it, yes. And so, you know, um, a lot of times, uh, uh, particularly when I got in high school, I would get home late because I played sports. But uh, still the same. It was kind of like coming home and um, the leftovers would be there and I would just, you know, eat because I, I wouldn't get home until seven after okay. playing, playing football or something like that. And then basically, um, you know, it was kind of sporadic, uh, uh, depending on if I was in sports or not that, uh, we ate together. What about your extended family? Cause I was thinking about like grandma, grandpa Keatley, when you, when you would all get together, like bigger family, either the Brownell side or the Keeley side. Well, my uh, my maternal uh, grandparents, um, I didn't really. I remember being around there, uh, their home in uh, San Bernardino, California, where they retired, and um, and I I remember a big long table and lots and lots of people and lots and lots of food. Uh, based on a Midwestern um, um, appetite and food because my my uh, late grandmother, uh, Mary, was from Illinois and my grandfather was from Wisconsin. And okay. so, uh, but they were, they were killed in an auto accident when I was nine years old. So I really didn't get to experience much of them. 
And mm-hmm. my other, my, my paternal grandparent um, would have uh, the Virginia. Uh, the, uh, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother was from Virginia. My grandfather was from West Virginia. And uh, so I remember rich gravies and uh, very southern, very southern, southern, style. southern style cooking. And so uh, growing up with that, I just experienced uh, differences in uh, cooking. And um, but family wise, we really didn't get together as a big family, except maybe Easter, Christmas and stuff because uh because of whatever reason you know being a kid i really didn't understand why we would go anywhere i just knew that i ended up somewhere (laughs) yep okay so then this is kind of branching into the next big question i have for you um and it's going to be kind of a two-part question so first (laughs) what is your like when you think of childhood and you think of that one food that you still shudder to think about that gave you kind of that, that food trauma response. Um, what is there a food from your childhood that kind of was ruined forever? Yes. Um, <laughs> we we ate it a lot, and it was cauliflower, and my mother would boil it uh, in Ooh. water, and all the nutrients and flavor would be boiled out of it, and it was like, we ate it so much, but but it was like one of those things that, well, that was all that there was, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, amongst other things, but vegetable-wise, that's what I remember that stood out. And when I got older, I, I, it, I just got so tired of it that I do not like it today unless this was something fairly new. Your mother made a uh, cauliflower um, puree, puree yeah. that tasted like mashed potatoes. <laughs> And it was so good, I started eating cauliflower because like when I was, I don't know, 20, 19 and stuff, I just stopped eating cauliflower. It's like a vow. (laughs) What I I did is I started eating broccoli because broccoli was not something that we ate too much (laughs) uh, growing up. It was your way of rebelling. It was my rebellion. (laughs) Your rebellious teenage years. I eat broccoli. Because I remember even when we got married, it wasn't like we didn't have a prenup or anything about it. But I remember dad saying very little about any of my cooking, like what he would want or whatever. He was very good about experimenting with me and stuff food wise, except for cauliflower. And that was I the one say, thing that was the main yeah break. because I because I'd be like look I found this awesome recipe for like grilled cauliflower blow and he's like no no just don't even bring it in the house <laughs> and I finally got to the point where I was gonna try that pure cauliflower puree and it's good well you know you've had it I've had it it is good I can attest that it's that I don't think it quite tastes like mashed potatoes no I don't think so either but I would also almost prefer over mashed potatoes. Yeah. Oh, it's so almost smooth and creamy and buttery. It's and, so yeah. I think probably because it has what like a pound of butter. I think and and heavy cream. Butter's and, good. Like at least a cup of heavy cream. Yeah. And Butter's good. Lots of good salt and pepper and a little bit of garlic. But yeah. Okay. So, anyway, yeah, good. That's fun. So well, thankfully, hopefully, your marriage has been able to repair your relationship with that vegetable. <laughs> Um, at least begun to. So now yeah. I want to ask what I don't know if you have any, so we'll we'll start out with that. But do you have like a food from your childhood that or teenage years, whatever, that you are just very fond of? Yes, like, I'm there... so glad you asked that. I don't know if it's if it was something 
you, you know, grandma made or something, one of your great grandma, my great grandmothers, your grandmothers. My made. grandmother, Ruby. Grandma uh, Ruby. Okay. My, my paternal grandmother uh, from Virginia. She was born in Arcola, Virginia. Okay. So Southern in, lady. In 1917. And she grew up uh, particularly uh, once she got married uh, through the depression. And so a lot of things were done differently back there um, in Virginia and West Virginia and stuff. But I remember how she cooked with a lot of carnation evaporated milk. <laughs> she made a oh. lot of recipes with that and okay. her biscuits were like, yeah. were like, it was, it, it, it was like it came from heaven. <laughs> it Man, was so delicious above. and it had that unique taste to it. And like whenever she would cook up stuff like that and I was over there, particularly when I was going through um, adolescence, puberty and all that stuff. And my appetite was like tenfold, a <laughs> hundredfold. And I go there and I would eat probably I don't know, 10 biscuits all in one shot. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but then she'd make her gravy, like her but sausage the gravy, gravy, too. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was like, it's, yeah. it, you know, and, and it, you know, it was so good. But, you know, back then, of course, I really didn't understand anything about cooking or had any inclination of why it was so unique and to ask questions. But, um but it was like I glad that your mother uh, got to learn a little mm -hmm. bit from Grandma Ruby. Yep. And uh, so your mother gets to put that into cooking, and it just reminds me of my of my late grandmother. So it's uh, I'm very fond of that. And she yeah. was definitely not a measuring type of cook. So when, okay. she, so when she taught me how to do the, how to make her gravy, the only thing I knew that it was a can of evaporated milk. Okay. Along with regular milk. So that's, that's the secret to amazing sausage gravy. That's the only thing you need to measure when you make gravy is yep. evaporated milk. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, no, that's a good question, Mary. That's so good. Cause Thanks. I have that. So wait, I, so can I ask a question? Yeah. So what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? The weirdest food. Or strangest. strangest food. Well, it was weird at the time, but um, I ate it anyway. <laughs> um, I was in Ecuador oh. in uh, Quito. Yep. And I think I know what was, this is. There was this restaurant and it was in a... <laughs> It, it it was a hole in the wall. I mean, an actual hole in the wall. Literally. There was a brick wall and, and it was punched out and all jaggedy. <laughs> and we had to walk over rubble and we went in and there was a restaurant. Uh, 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 and it uh, had a uh, terracotta stove or uh, barbecue like. Barbecue, yeah. Well, anyway, okay. they had something called Kui. And Kui is guinea pig. And then what they did is after they um, removed the uh, entrails and everything, they kept the hair on and uh, they, they would cook it in, and in a smoky environment. And they like barbecue it, right? It was barbecue. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm adventurous. So it's like, okay. Um, I took uh, one bite of it and it was gone in seconds. I mean, it was so good. <laughs> Um, with the hair and everything, I, I thought you. Well, I didn't eat the hair. Uh, oh, I pull that away because there's certain things you just don't eat. I thought you meant you took one bite because it was so small, but that would be like a hamster. No, and not a no guinea the guinea pig was a good size. I don't know if that's because it's South American, but <laughs> uh, but still the same. That was probably that was probably the most unusual uh, thing that I ate. And then, of course, there was uh, uh, when I met your mother. <laughs> she uh, took what me is... over to her grandparents' house, and Grandpa Aziz was uh, uh, had a Middle Eastern background, and so he apparently testing out the boyfriend or boyfriends that would come with mom. 
<laughs> uh, at the time, they made uh, Kubi. And it was raw Kubi. And that was raw lamb mixed in with, what was it? Bulgur, wheat bulgur and um, pine nuts and onions and spices. Mm-hmm. So apparently. Oh, I love Kubi. They yeah. tested me with that, and apparently you're only supposed to take a little bit of it and put <laughs> it in a pita bread or whatever it was. Yeah. It was and what I did is I, I put a big gob of it on there, and I just <laughs> downed it. It was so good. Did you and know everyone was... says, wow, he's a keeper. Did you know it was raw? No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, they, 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 they told me afterwards, and I said, that's good stuff. <laughs> And okay. so, so um, you know, I mean, we have, so, I haven't had it since, but. Uh, so guys, listen up. This is how you get in with the family. Yeah. Just eat what they offer you. And yeah. And they'll love you forever. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so I would say that would be the, you know, another unusual thing that you wouldn't think about growing up in Southern California with uh, uh, the uh, background that my mom and dad had for cooking. Midwestern. Midwestern, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think mom would ever do Kui. No, not me. Not me. No, no, my mother. Oh, okay. I was like... Not with a Midwestern background. Oh, I would eat it. I don't know if I'd cook it. But I would definitely eat it. Okay, so you grew up with like food, obviously. Good job, Mayor. But when it yeah, came... it was important to eat. <laughs> I guess whatever. Um, but when it comes to like the we'll call it your food journey, like what? Where you are now with like all this knowledge that you've accumulated and like we haven't even touched upon like your wine knowledge. That could be a whole episode in and of itself. Um, because for for those of you who don't know, dad is you'll have to help me out. Dad is in the process of getting his vineyard management. Yes, a vineyard management degree. I got five more classes to go. It's been a little bit of a long journey to get it done. But amongst the uh, things that have happened to me and stuff and surgeries and whatever. And so uh, I'm starting this fall uh, to finish and I'll be graduating 2024, December. Okay. And with that, you've just, you obviously have grown in your knowledge of wine and like I honestly think you could probably answer almost any question about wine that I can think of or that most people can think of but with with all this knowledge now like what I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this what do you want to do with it is I think that's a good way to ask Yeah, I was like, I don't know how else to ask that, but very blunt and direct. Just in perspective of food. Um. Yeah. Let's let's stick with food. That's that's easy. Okay. Since 2017, uh, during the time of trying to figure things out food-wise, I have come up with a list, and that's true. It is a culinary list, and oh. You know, I, I'm too old to go to the uh, Culinary Institute of America or to any college to take classes, even though I would like to take some classes <laughs> just to learn different things that okay. I really don't know much about. But I, I put up a list. And what that is, <laughs> is I want to uh, develop knife skills. I want to learn how to bake because really I don't know anything about baking. Okay. Seasonings and spices. I want to learn like I've mentioned before, when, what, what spices are out there, how they taste, experience uh, and experiment with them, and to learn how to season food with it, and then stocks and sauces, and then I would like to learn. Uh, like, sorry, can I, can I ask for, uh, can I ask a clarifying question? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, clarify it. 
<laughs> um, that's You're butter. Good. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, do, do you want to like learn how to make stock and sauces, or know more about them? No, I he want... doesn't need to know any more about them. No, I want to. <laughs> I want to actually. I'm in the process where I need to do it. Like so not- basically, you want to you want to take all this accumulated knowledge and put it into a practical now. Well, yes, because the way from I'm theory to it, practicum, what I'm asking or or trying to do, I mean, is basically um, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to turn 63 in in about 10 days, so uh, my birthday's coming up. Yes, I want presents anyway. <laughs> Um, no, but what I'm, what I'm looking at is that with what time I may have left of life and from what I've learned, it's time and it's accumulating to the point where I have enough book knowledge. Now it's time to put it to practice. And so like, I don't know, what was it last year? I made uh, chicken stock, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, just I, I know about it, but it's like doing it. And the thing is, is that with the cooking that mom does and what little I do, the thing is we use chicken stock or if I want to make a beef stock or a fish stock or a vegetable stock mm-hmm. is things that I need to perfect and or just the beginning, just learning. And okay. so what I'm wanting to do is actually do things now with all this knowledge. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense to me because what's the good of having all this knowledge, especially when it comes to something as practical and every day as cooking. Exactly. And that's what I'm wanting to do. I'm, I'm wanting to take time and just live with the fact that I can actually produce things that, that would be beneficial, not just uh, our our uh, household, but, you know, it could benefit where we do things uh, in different um, cooking uh, venues that we do because we do other things, your mother and I, uh, and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the thing is it can expand is what I'm getting yes. at. Yeah. No, and I think that's good. Um, my other kind of a, a branch off question then, is there any like more practical cooking skill that you have perfected that you would be willing to or like able to just simply teach somebody how to do that skill? Oh, well, it's very simple. Uh, the one that I have, I think, mastered to, uh, to a point where it's always delicious and always comes out the same, you know, really good and stuff is my chicken thighs. Uh, very simple, you know, thing, just cooking in a 9 by 13 I use two 9 by 13s because I cook up about 8 to 10 chicken thighs. And I put uh, uh, a wine in it and a water base and the evaporation keeps the chicken thighs moist and i season it i may season it with old bay or i may season it with my own seasonings that i uh, make up and and it's seasonings that i know because i i barbecue as well so i kind of know you know how to put the onions and the you know garlic and and the different things together Mm -hmm. so that it balanced Okay. Yeah, I didn't even think about your chicken thighs. Yeah, I was definitely thinking that. of something else, but <laughs> yeah. But he did mention that something else. Well, yeah, the other did. thing that I, I I do quite well is uh is the barbecue and quite um, well. Yes, uh, <laughs> you I have I have learned very to short. It. Oh, did you hear me? What's that? You're selling yourself short on that. Well, some people are humble. <laughs> well, um, I don't know anybody in our family, so. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. But, but I, uh, I would say that, yeah, yeah, you have definitely mastered your barbecue. Yes, uh, barbecuing when it comes to uh, uh, pork shoulder. Um, it's my favorite. Brisket. 
My uh, favorite. <laughs> uh, Tri-tip, any kind of beef mm. or any mm-hmm. kind of uh, pork. And, and I've even done uh, turkeys and, um, um, you know, grilling, uh, particularly my, my favorite for grilling on uh, alder plank is uh, salmon. Yeah. Salmon. Which I will Love have to say, like when you made us, this was sometime last year, I think, when you made us the salmon, because I, I don't really like fish at all, but that salmon was really good. Yes, I, I really like the way it comes out with the alder plank. And sometimes I use cedar plank and stuff, but the, uh, the grill, uh, sometimes I like to use the charcoal grill because it's a mm-hmm. slower process, so it doesn't cook it too fast. I, I kind of going to the barbecue slow and low and stuff. Yep. And then sometimes I put it on uh, a gas grill when I need to serve it up right away. And but either way, I uh, like the salmon comes out really well. So my barbecue and uh, and some cooking aspects uh, in the kitchen, um, I have mastered to the point that I don't need a recipe and, you know, I could do it in my sleep and that kind of thing. And would you be like for your barbecue, especially because it is a little more complex than chicken? Um are you would you be like comfortable teaching somebody how to do that? Do you think you perfected oh, and yeah. mastered it enough? Oh yeah, everything from meat preparation because I I don't just go out and buy a piece of of uh, <laughs> pork or stuff. I examine it and you know, I yeah. look at the the fat cap on a brisket and I look at uh the marbling, I look at different things like that and then you know, uh letting the the meat uh, uh, that comes out of the fridge, I, I let it set out for a bit and preparing it for a dry rub, mm-hmm. um, preparing my sauces when I do a wet mop and different things like that. But uh, it all comes down to balancing the temperature, the airflow, and basically the preparation of the meat. And like I said, low and slows the way, but I could definitely t- uh, teach somebody barbecue uh anywhere in the world great so i'll be there um i'll just pop over real quick (laughs) fly home for Um, an intensive three-day barbecue class (laughs) when did this kind of like because you've been barbecuing my whole life like since i can remember Mm -hmm. and i know it's been kind of a passion for you and just a hobby we'll call it a hobby I think um and a very tasty one at that but when and like kind of why did it start like why barbecue well even though I barbecued as a kid when I was like seven years old uh, (laughs) and wait what like a hot dog over a over a fire it was just basic uh hot dogs hamburgers and maybe steak wait uh, when on I like an open seven. flame? Huh? On an open flame? On a barbecue barbecue? On a charcoal barbecue. <laughs> they trusted you with a charcoal barbecue at seven? There's a lot of things I did as a kid that they, <laughs> they, they trusted me with and that they didn't know about. I don't know very many. Welcome to the 60s and 70s, yeah, everybody. I, say, I can't imagine a lot of seven-year-olds nowadays being allowed to do a barbecue let alone like figuring out how yeah well i'm like that's crazy i can't imagine us even (laughs) a little older being allowed to just have an open flame (laughs) yeah no Mm -mm. well maybe it's because it was you guys and not dad maybe but pretty much the uh barbecue (laughs) itself uh got me sparked and interested Put a fire under it. Anyway, (laughs) basically, it's when I, I think it's when I was first in Oregon for my birthday or, yeah, or the year afterwards when uh, the first year I was in Oregon that my mother and father in law bought me a um, barbecue smoker. Oh, I didn't know and they bought you their first smoker, your first I, smoker. 
That's yes. I, I didn't remember either. <laughs> and um, and it was a uh, what they call a bullet. It was a it was a uh, dome smoker. Um, and it was uh, a block. I, I don't really remember. I don't. I think it was a charbroil. Okay. But I can't, can't remember, but still the same. Uh, I started learning, experimenting, and uh, buying just little books and stuff that would be from uh, the manufacturer about smoking and learning um, to use pellets and flavored uh, like uh, uh, hardwoods like cherry and pecan. And then in 1998, I started going full bore with it. And, and then my first big smoker I got is when my, my mom and dad came over to Oregon from Idaho to, um, celebrate my birthday. My dad bought me a uh, new bronze full made in Texas. Bronfel. Yeah. Bronfels. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> Thank you like for that. correcting me. No problem. But <laughs> that's, anyway, that's <laughs> um, but it's a, uh, barrel smoker about, uh, 30, 36 inches, uh, long. Is this the one you still have? One I still have. Cause I take care okay. of it. Okay. You know, and uh, so basically, right, I started learning how to, and I got, I got big time in buying books because I basically is just like my carpentry when I was a, an apprentice. I buy the book, learn it, do it, and it's with me for life. And so I um, started doing brisket and pork shoulder, how to inject uh, sauces in the, uh, uh, meats and to uh, you know dry rub it to mop it with a wet sauce and stuff and it just developed where I just started doing it all the time and I would do it on the job site when I was a uh, carpenter foreman and okay. uh, and I also did in the navy. Okay, so can I ask? Right. And then you can ask something, Mom. Oh, that's fine. You're um. Fine. So you said that you first kind of started doing it as a kid. Yeah. Like yeah. smaller things. But then when, when you started to like really do it, I guess, like start now what I say is your best thing that you cook. Um, did you only start doing it because Grammy and Papa got you a smoker? Or was well, it something you were interested in that then they bought you the equipment for? It's something I was interested in because it's something from childhood. You just you just get around it, like like my grandpa Keatley and stuff. They would do barbecues uh, when we go over there, and that intrigued me. That 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 became an interest. But okay. of course, me being a kid, you know, you don't have. A job to go out and buy the wood and the, and, a, and whatever to uh, do a barbecue and yeah. it's like okay I didn't develop it until actually um your Grammy and Papa um bought me that uh, uh smoker and then uh it just started developing thereafter and then when I was 36 38 around there um and particularly when I was 40 I was uh, doing lots of different types of meat and learning from books and putting it to mm -hmm. practice. And, and it just, you know, something from childhood just um, developed once you started thinking, Oh, I can actually buy the equipment or I got the equipment and, and it's like, okay, let's do it. Okay. I think too, is it, is it, would you, would you say that like smoking meat and barbecuing meat is, and this is going to sound sexist, maybe, but it is kind of a guy thing. For the, I mean, there are women. I know there are. Oh yeah, it's a guy thing. I mean, smoke. there are really good women that do. I mean, really good women. There are women who do. Really <laughs> there are good also women. really good women. But there, are, there are. <laughs> but there are women who do amazing barbecue. But most, oh yeah. But it's it's again, like professional chefing. Even it's more of a male dominated. Yeah, I yeah. Thing. Yeah, it is and stuff and you know um i i think i think being involved in that because you know when i was 
still living at home and stuff. And uh, my mom and dad moved to this one house that it had an outdoor grill that was fed by uh, natural gas and had Mm. a cover on it. So you can do all sorts of things to it. And of course, back then, I really didn't know anything about it, nor did I have a real interest in it because it just wasn't something because I was going to college at the time uh, when they moved and stuff. And I was working and trying to, you know, get out on my own and stuff. And then um, basically it just developed after I got married really. And we moved to Oregon. Cause I made him, cause I made him eat all the weird food. <laughs> oh yeah. That will do it. So, okay. This is a little bit, Moving on to another subject because you did, but you have mentioned this, I think, just once. Yes. In this recording, you have mentioned that it is almost your birthday. I think it's nine days. No, it's ten days. Ten days. Okay. Um, is there a recipe that you've come across for a meal, usually, um, that you would be like, yes? That is what I would want for my birthday this year. Oh, well, I've seen recipes. I was served it when we were in Virginia um, and uh, Front Royal uh, for one of the graduations, but I had monkfish. Oh, I was going to say, you want to go to Cracker Barrel? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, we were at this uh, one restaurant, and um, it was monkfish that I ordered because I I love seafood, and monkfish comes from the Atlantic and the Mediterranean, and so it's more easier to get it possibly in Virginia because I I've I've already looked into it to get it here in Oregon, but they uh, simmered it in butter. And mm-hmm. had um, good seasonings and stuff on it and the sides with it. But the monkfish, which is called uh, poor man's lobster and stuff, it was so delicious. It was like this is almost just as equally as good as, as uh, the Chinook salmon I like eating. And, wow. And it is so, so delicious. And... Um, so I've been wanting to order it, but I can only get it in January. Uh, December oh, December and January yeah. in Oregon from the fishmonger that we have in town. Mm-hmm. And it's quite spendy to get it because it uh, apparently the monkfish they get is from Florida. Okay. Or the water's off of Florida. So um, to get it from off the coast of France would be even more expensive probably yeah. in a hundred dollar uh a pound range yeah, because no. it, it costs <laughs> in order to get uh one tail and one tail of monkfish will give you four fillets it would be 45 dollars a pound to get it here in have a single ounce yeah. of monkfish <laughs> exactly yeah so but it's a hundred dollars monkfish fingers but monkfish would be really good. And, of course, uh, the Chinook salmon. And, of course, for one birthday, about, what was it, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Three years, maybe four years ago. Mm-hmm. On my birthday, we went to the fishmonger here in town. And we got five pounds of manila clams. And we got linguine. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Cooked it up in a wine. Uh, and had a sauce with it and stuff. And um, that was one memorable I think that birthday. Was, I almost think that was 2020 because I think everybody was home. Well, I well, I know David was home. I think David was home. I was home. I want to say Carrie was home. Yeah, I think it was 2020. There yeah. That was okay, your, so your 2020. Your amazing then. COVID birthday. Meal. COVID birthday. So <laughs> it, it was so delicious. Um uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm sensing a theme that yeah. you would like some form of seafood for well, your birthday. I would like seafood <laughs> that I would not shy away from it. 
I would also uh, like to try some French food, uh, like a, uh, if I pronounce it right, sometimes my mouth doesn't pronounce things, beef bourguignon. Yep, there you go, beef bourguignon, uh, okay. I, I would like to have uh, a uh, escargot. Um, um, I wouldn't mind having um, salmon, and I know this kind of sounds expensive and snobby, but um, uh, salmon with uh, caviar. Okay. Mom, are you taking notes? Yeah, yeah, I got this. <laughs> she doesn't have to take notes. I repeat it a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. So for the next 10 days, exactly. he's just Of course, say... with my bottle of Dom Perignon. Of yeah. course. Of and course. then what <laughs> would you choose for dessert? It would be a chocolate strawberry tort. Ooh. That sounds good. Like a chocolate, a chocolate tort, tort with strawberries on top. A strawberry yes. and a strawberry, like a strawberry glaze. Uh, something that's been... Something that basically it's the, I think, to be honest, I think it would be like the apricot... You do like an apricot preserve, but then you'd strain the pieces and you just, you brush it over the strawberry so it's all shiny and pretty. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm picturing that. Yeah. That we can definitely do. Yes. That'll be on the And break. some kind of seafood. And some kind of seafood. Maybe a tuna melt. I'm just kidding. A tuna melt. <laughs> a okay. tuna melt. Just kidding. I mean, a tuna melt sometimes. Yeah. Slap. Especially with really good tuna. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Like the Costco tuna. So, Brian, if if we could, this is not going to happen. I'm just warning you right now. It's yes. not this, this part is not happening. But if you could go to any restaurant in the world and cost was not an issue, obviously, because like you'd have to get to these restaurants or whatever. What restaurant for your ultimate birthday restaurant meal? What restaurant would you go to? Ultimate. Well, I should have said it would, it, it would, it would have to be. Uh, La Gavroche, Gavroche, if yeah, I'm saying Gavroche. it right, uh-huh, Gavroche, Gavroche. Uh, in uh, London. Um, oh. I've, I've never been there, but uh, but seeing it on uh, YouTube and wherever <laughs> on the telly. with uh, uh, Michel Rue Jr. and uh, knowing how great that restaurant puts out. Michelin star stuff, uh, food, and whatever it may be, uh, and the tradition of the Rue family, you know, in that discipline of cooking, uh, would probably be the ultimate experience for a birthday. And who would you be eating this birthday dinner with? With? Other than your lovely wife. I was going to say, lovely wife, family, and my grandkids. I don't think okay. Abby would appreciate La Gavroche. She wouldn't appreciate it, except in the pictures that she would later see <laughs> when she got older. <laughs> that I've been there, to, uh, Grandpa, and then I said, "Yep." When you couldn't Abby being, anything, <laughs> Abby being the six-month-old grandchild, exactly. just exactly. <laughs> so everyone yeah. knows uh, exactly. And if you could have one famous cooking person and i'm only saying that sorry because i don't want to say just chef someone yeah. in the cooking world living or not to join us for that meal who would that be besides you oh thank you i consider you a chef you're just not paid for it <laughs> you're real good I'm a, I'm a but but i think mom you. said famous yeah i did i'm uh, maybe fa- yeah famous we'll um, say famous thanks thanks man it it would definitely have to be a Scottier. There we go. Simply okay. due to the fact of his background knowledge and what he did for the culinary world. Yeah. Well, he'd be fun to have dinner with, I think. And what wine would you choose to pair with your meal? I guess it would depend on what you have. Huh? Depends on what we have. Okay. Yeah. It always like depends on what be, we have. Yeah. I okay. feel like that, that could be, like I said before, a whole nother episode. That is of right. The yeah. wine episode. The whining. The whining with the dad. whining episode. <laughs> well, thank you, Dad, for 
agreeing to join us today for this interview. Thanks for coming on our show. No charge. Oh, great. (laughs) Except Um, for whatever I'm going to end up making him for his birthday dinner. Yeah. Unless, of course, any of our lovely listeners would like to sponsor a trip. (laughs) Actually, they don't even have to sponsor the trip. Because we are going to be in London for 24 hours on our way to see the kids in the Czech Republic. So they could just sponsor the dinner at La Gavra. If you would like to sponsor the dinner and transport... Just to the restaurant in London. DM if you know, I can get over DM my us, jet lag. Just oh shush. <laughs> just DM just DM us on Instagram. There yeah. you go. Well, thank you again to Dad and to all of you listening um, for joining us this week on Needs More Salt. Hope you have a very lovely week, a very happy Memorial Day um, to all of our American listeners and a big thank you to any veterans also dad thank you as you yourself have served so thank you all and I hope you have a very adventurous food week thanks for joining Nancy and Mary on this week's episode of needs more salt Follow the show on our social media pages and join us next week as we bring flavor to your life.